We have so responsible our patients that they were filling their their diaries in the bomb shell in, in any other places to have this year not profitable business for now, of course, obviously not profitable, but at the end uh, to make this human factor on the top of financial numbers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of I am Christina D'Arcangelo. And today I am so, so, so honored and I'm elated to be able to have a guest on the show who's actually from the Ukraine. And we're going to be talking about different things as it relates to clinical research in the Ukraine. And my guest today is Anna. Anna, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for your invitation. Thank you for having me with you today. Absolutely. I was so glad that we connected on LinkedIn. And I thought immediately, you know what, it would be awesome to have you on the podcast so that you can talk about some things that we might not be aware of in the United States or anywhere, actually, because my podcast is global. So this was a great opportunity for you to talk about some of the things that you're seeing as it relates to clinical research in the Ukraine. So thank you so much again, Anna, for joining us today. Likewise, thank you. So Anna, why don't you tell our viewers um, and our people who listen to the podcast, because you can either watch it or you can listen to it. Would you mind letting everyone know your background, where you've come from, what you've kind of been doing, what are you doing currently? And then we can kind of just get into it. Does that sound okay? Yeah, thank you very much. So a little bit about myself. My name is Anna Tietkova and I'm Ukrainian. I was born in Ukraine, in Kharkiv. The city is on the east of Ukraine. My childhood dream was to become a doctor and put in all this, my forces to achieve. I uh, uh, graduated from the National Medical University and then combined my uh, medical, practical, clinical idea uh, and practice with scientific work. Uh, I received some um, uh, PhD degree, uh, professor title, uh, had um, a lot of uh, publishing works and publications, patents, but uh, uh, maybe five, six years ago, uh, I started to participate in clinical researches, starting from the sub-investigator role, uh, and then step by step, I understand that this is the main uh, place where I can combine my clinical practical knowledges with this my scientific approach. So this is the place actually where I can see the contribution that science can uh, give to our people, to our patients in the real time, exactly today, exactly now, and exactly with some of their pathologies. And in 2020, when the COVID pandemic was announced, I um, organized uh, the part of the International Site Network Organization, Pratia, on the territory of Ukraine. And during the first two years, uh, uh, we created a clinical research site. This was the first in the country, the SMO clinical research site in Kharkiv. We received all the um, legalization, let's say, authority approvals. After that, we started clinical researches, complicated refurbishment, uh, furniture. So the my life goal uh, was finally uh, uh, put in, into the creation of this our medical center, where I would, was able to uh, bring this message, the message to my people, to, uh, to our employees, to clinical research staff, PIs. Uh, what is the main 
goal why we are doing this our work in clinical researches and in parallel pratia clinic uh, we have another company pratia ukraine this was a, a pure site management organization that was working on the base of uh, state or private hospitals in uh, five ukrainian cities in three ukrainian regions and then at that is awesome. I'm going to let you take a break for a second there. Um, only because you're a very fast talker. And so I slow down and I'm an East Coaster, right? So I, I'm a fast talker, and you know, over here in the US. But what I try to do is slow it down a little bit because we have different um, age groups and different education of listeners, right? So I try okay. to like, so you're doing a beautiful job. I just want to make sure we get the message fully out there. So I'm going to regurgitate what I believe I heard. So originally you're, you started working as an MD, a physician. Obviously, you also have a PhD. You started combining um, the PhD with the MD so that you could start doing clinical research. You opened up a site management organization, otherwise known as in the biotech pharma industry, SMO. So from a clinical research perspective, biotech and pharma companies and private investigators will reach out to site management organizations to perform clinical studies. So you were running a bunch of clinical studies. What therapeutic areas were you focused on with your clinical research studies that you were running? And by the way, I love the fact that you wanted to bring the research to your patient's in the communities that you serve across the five cities. That's amazing because it's brave to do that. You're a woman doing this. You know, you obviously have a team of people, um, but you did this and you were successful at creating the site management organization that went across all these cities prior to everything happening later on, which we're going to get to. But do you think that that's a good summary of everything you just said? I just wanted to slow us down a minute and just make sure everybody understood what you were saying. Yeah, yeah, you you were absolutely right. And maybe just said that Pratia uh, in Ukraine, it is a part of the international site network. We are operated in six European countries. And in Ukraine, this was a greenfield business. So everything really, as you mentioned, it was done from one paper of registration of two companies exactly on the first week after the full lockdown with COVID. And I was alone who was working in establishment and creating of two companies that were, um, I believe, successful at the end because we have more than 20 clinical researchers. We were the world best recruiter in one COVID hospitalization study. We performed a big high volume study also in COVID vaccination okay. uh, that period of time. So really it was a... Um, it was my place of energy, of patience that, uh, that I use and was trying to send to my people who was also new people, just created by me, uh, gathering all together around our mission, the mission of our company, and putting the yeah, clinical researches closer to our patients in Ukraine. Yeah, and here you are, you start this endeavor, and the pandemic hits. Like you said, you are by yourself. Yeah. And that's kind of scary, you know, like, whoa, my God, did I do the right thing by starting this this organization um, during this time? And yes, it was the right thing. Not only did you step up 
you moved forward with COVID treatment, you know, uh, COVID protocols, I'll just mm -hmm. call it COVID protocols. Um, and that was to help humankind because we were in a crisis across the globe with COVID. And, you know, we were, I was working on COVID also, you know, March, 2020 was when I did my first filing. It was March 30th of 2020 when we only had 265,000 cases worldwide. That was it, March 30th of 2020. I have a photographic memory. That's why I can push these numbers back at you to, you know, like I don't have notes. It's just my brain. So I get it. Like here now, you're working in COVID, you're helping your humankind, and you're doing it internationally across six other countries that are working alongside you. This is this is amazing. I mean, the, 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 I can't I can't commend you even any more that I mean honestly, that is huge. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, thank you for such recognition and your estimation. Yeah, it's huge. It's a big deal. And so then you're working in COVID and you're working a log. And then now what happens? What happens to your country? Yeah, well, at 4.45 a.m. in the morning on the 24th of February, an unpredictable situation that no one was believed in, no one was prepared for appeared uh, in our on our land yeah the war started and uh, it was yeah it was unbelievable no one couldn't imagine uh, that it might be and what to do uh, uh, at 4:41 maybe uh, in the morning after the announcement was on tv from our authorities that really the war has started uh, my uh, first uh, idea and thoughts um, was uh, somehow to uh, help my employees to receive their salaries, to receive uh, some financial payment, because we were not aware at all for how long will be the internet connection, uh, uh, mobile connections, at, at, at all. How you were blacked we out. Community? Yeah, yeah. So what will be next? Next second, not even next minute. And yeah, we paid our... Mm -hmm. employees uh, very remotely, very quickly. It was at 5 a.m. in the morning of the salaries. And after that, we prolonged to pay them for three months as well, even without Europe. Uh, and uh, yeah, after that, we were trying to be in touch. Of course, no one uh, couldn't say what to do and what will be his next actions. But uh, maybe now it will be good to say like an assumption of this one year. So during this one year, we managed to uh, to save our businesses. So it's still alive and it's still uh, working. Uh, we were able to have our people and they are, um, of course, not uh, overloaded with the work, but at least for some period of time, we paid them their salaries and uh, we continue performing clinical researches that were ongoing um, in Ukraine. So can uh, after, I can I stop yeah. you and ask you a question? So I apologize if I'm annoying because I I, I keep stopping you. It's just that I kind of know when to pause now. I used to listen. I used to be on your side, Anna, and I used to get interviewed. Okay, and and I I I never thought I could do this on the other side, being the interviewee or interviewer. Sorry. Um. So so I apologize if I pause you. Um. It's just because there's some things that are important that I wanna make sure you get out that you say. So you've said that 
you um, were able to, to save your business, which is, and I got chills when you were talking about this. I had chills up and down because I can't even imagine, you know, waking up in the morning at 4.41 a.m. and hearing strikes going on and, and this mass chaos. And now we're blacked out and we, we don't know what's going on. And you're running a business that you just started not too long prior. And you're in the midst of everything. You're running clinical studies and this stuff hits the fan, right? Now you're in a war. Now in biotech and pharmaceuticals, in my limited experience, because it's only will be 25 years this May, I was never involved in clinical studies when there was a war. Okay, never. I've, I've, I worked back in the day, this is going to date me way back to when I was working at Johnson and Johnson, and SARS happened. Do you remember when SARS happened? And we were mm -hmm. running global studies. And we could only talk to our doctors on like Thursday mornings at this insane, insane time compared to our time zone over here to them to be able to talk to them about our clinical patients, right? So you're running studies and now you're in a war. You're responsible to the sponsor companies, you know, the biotech and pharma companies to be able to communicate with them as to what's going on, but you're in a war. How are you keeping these patients also, first off, how are you communicating with them, but the, the sponsors, but also how are you keeping these people in the studies? I would be terrified. I wouldn't want to come out of my house. Yeah, I might tell you even more that uh, we have so uh, responsible our patients that they were feeling their gear diaries in the bomb shelters, uh, uh, in and any other places that at the end, when they finish their one year participation, we receive almost 90 percentage compliance of filling all these uh, uh, sources, let's say. And for, of course, for the first few months, we had such a black, uh, blackout, yes, as you said. Any cooperation, any communication with no one, I mean, with sponsors, with no one who, who we can receive CROs, any feedback, what to do, how to continue. After that, of course, in a few months, we start to receive first messages. Of course, we always were um, uh, online with our patients. Right. Messages, right. Uh, uh, calling them by phones. So at least we know where they are and what they are doing. Uh, at the same time, maybe also um, mentioning about my employees that Harky was uh, the first city to be bombed and heavily bombed for the whole year. And some of my employees, they lost their homes and our clinic be came their place of living. So it oh. was also our decision to, because of our inpatient department with beds, with wards, and this will became a home for uh, for some people also uh, to, uh, to be for some period of time there. It was also some our decision uh, to make and to help them to survive in this period of time. Uh, after that, we were trying to find the solutions for our patients. There were a lot of relocations internal inside Ukraine, outside of Ukraine, and as were international organizations we have this opportunity to host patients in Poland on Polish side as the most uh, um, closer country to Ukraine. And 14 patients, they were relocated and continue participation in Poland. So without any interruptions of their treatment, mostly the oncological patients for whom it's the life-saving therapy mm -hmm. to continue, uh, multiple sclerosis, uh, mm, uh, some rare diseases. Uh, so they were able to continue participation on our practice sites in Poland. So this was also one of the directions of what to do and how to help people uh, to, to continue and to, to fight with their disease. You know, clinical research is already hard enough, right? It's hard enough to run 
a proper clinical study, making sure one, you enroll the proper patients with the right therapeutic area, with the right primary, secondary mm -hmm. type things that you're trying to study, meeting all inclusion, exclusion criteria. That in itself is hard, right? Also keeping patients in the study once you find them, that's also hard, right? But then also all the administrative tasks you have to do working on a clinical study, electronic data capture, all the source documentations you have to keep, the central lab data or local lab, whatever you're using, all those things you have to capture, okay? I'm saying all this so that the, the because some of our viewers are not us, right? They don't run clinical studies, they don't know. So I'm just reminding them of all those difficult things, right? And I've talked about studies that I've worked on where we've had tough recruitment, right? Where it was hard to find these patients based on whatever the therapeutic area was. We have never, I have never in my career had to work, as I mentioned earlier, had to work on a study where I had clinical trial sites in, in a zone that's in a war. So you had to become almost no pun intended, to, and I mean, no disrespect to the armed forces, but you almost became a, a, a soldier, so to speak, because you had to triage, you know, okay, I've got to move this patient here, over here, over here, over here, over here. Okay, now my employees' homes got blown up in this one city. Where are they going to live? We have to support them because we are a family. So we're going to help them. So now we have to help them get into this, you know, into our facility full time. We've got to make some changes there so they can live there. Obviously, you had most of it already set up, but you still had stuff to do. And then once everything kind of came back online and you weren't blacked out anymore, now you have to go and report back to the sponsor or sponsors because you were working on more than one. You have to report back to them everything that was going on, where all your subjects were. So they could also relax because I'm sure, you know, being on the sponsor side for as many years as I have been in my career, moving then into the CRO life, I know what it's like, right? You know, it's very, you get nervous, like what's going on with the site, da, da, da. And they're concerned for you and your safety and your teams and all their patients. They're your patients, but they become the sponsor's patients too, are all impacted by this. Yeah. How did you sleep at night? Did you sleep at all? I mean, what? How, how, I mean, you look great, but I mean, come on. How did how did you do all this? Because this is like wow. Yeah, you are absolutely right. And all of these my few sentences may be calculating what uh, what uh, we are done. It's just yeah, a, a tremendous work that was done and con is continuing to be doing uh, in our company there. But um, for me, you know, as I mentioned before, this. Uh, creation of the, our company on the territory of Ukraine, it was uh, and became my life goal. And for me, life goal is something that not uh, make you asleep late at night, but uh, something that makes you wake up early in the morning. And for me, this was perhaps the main message that uh, this is the mission. We, uh, for me, this is the mission to uh, to bring this business and to make it alive. And from the moment I did it, uh, there was no doubt in my mind at all that perhaps I am doing the most important and valuable thing in my life that I have ever done before. And uh, uh, for me, the most, uh, the biggest estimation maybe of this, my attitude was uh, the messages from my 
work is that they are still uh, waiting to return back to their full-time work, to return back to Kharkiv, to our clinical research site, because some of them are somewhere uh, abroad, some, some of them are not in Kharkiv at the same time, but all of them are waiting for returning back and making this um, uh, point for them, a place that they understand that they have something where someone is waiting for them, that they have this place to return back to their life that they, uh, all of us uh, had before. So maybe this is also one of these main messages why I'm still struggling with this reality, trying to, to continue to show that it's possible one day we will come to this final stage and maybe it will be a story, a story of war of each of us. But at least this is a test on humanity oh. that we should pass. And what will be at the end, we will see. Absolutely. And I've got to say, you, I, I, this is our first time meeting um, over, you know, in person, so to speak. Yeah. You know, we were corresponding over LinkedIn and then email. Um one of the things that I feel like I'm, I'm really, oh boy, this is this, I can't even believe all this. Um, and I knew you had a big story, trust me, because I could tell, you know, but I feel as though your life's purpose was to honor patients, right? And this, all this happening to you, as crazy as it is, like, this is crazy. You were in a war, you're still, in, you know, the pandemic, starting a company, the pandemic, you know, everything you did was intentional with your career. But this, this year, this was your life's purpose. Your life's purpose is to heal people and to help people, not only your patients, but your teams and all your staff. I loved how you said, I want my people to have a place to come back to. Somebody's waiting for them there. That's so huge. That's so huge. And not many people in your position, Anna, a CEO, you know, not many people with all the acclimates that you have does that. That is special. And so I just wanted to make sure that, you know, I, I called that out because I could tell you're not somebody that's going to like puff it up and say, well, I did all these things because whatever, like superwoman, because you are a superwoman. Okay. No, you are. But You've got to, you know, I, I, I would, I would encourage you to remember this, this conversation we're having today. You should be proud of everything you've done. I mean, you've really got in there and you've been doing an amazing job and you've been doing it time and time again, no matter how horrible things have been going on and things were out of your control. You kept going, you persevered. Yeah, and I'm lucky to have people around me who believe also in our these activities, who believe in our mission, people uh, in, inside Pratia Global uh, who decided to continue this our activities and to have this year not profitable business for now, of course, obviously not profitable, but at the end uh, to make this human factor on the top of financial numbers. Yes. And I'm lucky that I have these people of the same level of values as I and uh, due to such cooperation, due to such relations, people all around the world, as uh, you and with whom I have this possibility to speak, we will definitely bring the victory on our land. Yes, absolutely. And I think, Anna, there's going to be some potential for us to collaborate in the future. Uh, mm -hmm. Because as I mentioned, when we were talking, there's some things we're working on. 
and um, there are humanitarian type efforts from a clinical research standpoint. So um, I think that there might be some opportunities for us to uh, work together in the future. And I'd also, you know, as we progress through the year and we see what happens over there in the Ukraine, I'd love to have you back on again so that we could talk some more about, okay, where are we now? Right. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is, yeah. this is April yeah, thank 19th. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for this time today. Thank you for the conversation. And we will definitely meet again in the nearest future. Absolutely. And, and if there's anything I can do to help you, I mean this, Anna. Okay. I'm happy to help you in any, any absolute way. That's why when you reached out to me, I was like, Oh, I know what can happen, right? We can, I can have you on the podcast and we could talk about this on the podcast so that it can help give you some legs. Um, and yeah, we talked about you. the, no problem. And then we talked about the magazine. So anything at all, Anna, I'm yeah, please, thank you. please. Thank you very much. Yeah, just, yeah, just need, need to leave the, our office here. Yeah, but in any case, I will be in touch. I will uh, write you a message. Okay, awesome. Well, I just want to thank you so, so very much for being on with me today. We have different time zones, obviously, here. So I just wanted to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on with me today and for sharing your story. It's, it's, uh, you know, this is wow. That's I mean, I don't even know how what else to say. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks to such people as you we have the strength to continue not to give up and to bring this uh, mission of uh, good, of uh, something yeah, bright and light at the end of this tunnel. Absolutely. It's, it's love and light. You know, like we have to stay focused on the positive because if we get too far into the negative, which you could have done during this process, and I know it was very, very tough. You didn't. You kept going forward and you kept staying positive even through all these terrible trials and tribulations. And man, you know, 10 years to come from this time, you'll be able to share all these things and help so many people. People are going to look back on this time and the things that you've done and how you progress things and how you're changing history in the Ukraine yeah. with your research. That is amazing, Anna. So I commend you for thank all you. the- Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. And maybe we will have another podcast speaking about next steps. Absolutely. So with that, as we always say, remember, we are the same. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am Christina D'Arcangelo.